Great, thanks Cindy, thanks Calvin and the band. Good morning everyone again. So as Calvin said right at the start, we're completing a mini-series that we've called Heartbeat, looking at some of the church's values, some of the things that we hold particularly dear here at Chichester Baptist Church CBC, and uh, we've called it Family Together. Now I wonder what image comes to your mind what feelings you have that you associate with family. Let's be honest, for some of you, they may not be positive feelings, they may be negative. There may have been a rift in your family, perhaps there's been a breakdown in a marriage, perhaps siblings aren't speaking to each other, perhaps there's been difficulty between a daughter and a mother, a son or a father, and so on and so forth. Not all, ham- not all families are happy places. Let's acknowledge that at the start. And let's also acknowledge that the family ideal can sometimes be experienced outside of the natural family. Maybe you are part of a close-knit friendship group, for example, that's really important to you. It's life-affirming, it's enriching, there's giving, there's receiving... There's security, there's love. That is the ideal of family. That's what family is supposed to be about. And that is the ideal that we should have in our minds when, we, uh, when the Bible talks about family. Now, the Bible has a huge amount to say about family, uh, far more than we can say in one morning. So I've had to be selective, so um, apologies if your particular thing hasn't been selected this morning. But I've picked out four aspects that I think are very clear from from the Scriptures in terms of what it means to be family together. And we're going to have a look at those four things this morning. So here's the first one. It's, It's a basic starting point, but it's really important. And we're talking about the, the church family here, so just, just to narrow our definition. But our starting point is that if we are believers in this church, we are family because we are connected to each other. And the source of that connection is Jesus Christ. So this verse from Hebrews 2.11, the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family, so Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. So if we have a relationship with Jesus, then we have a relationship with each other as brothers and sisters. Now, as we know, siblings don't always get on with each other, do they? Um, I heard what I believe is a true story um, of a woman who was so exhausted after giving birth to twins that she fell asleep straight afterwards and she woke up um, and she asked the doctor about, um, about her twins and um, he said, oh, they're absolutely fine and, and your brother's here and he's given them some names for you. And she kind of rolled her eyes, oh, my brother's an idiot. What's he called them? And the doctor said, well, he's, he's called the little girl Denise. They said, well, that's okay. Um, what about the boy? And the doctor said, um, he's called him the nephew. <laughs> but siblings don't always see eye to eye, do they? They don't always see eye to eye. But they have to learn to live with each other and love with each other, as we do, for we are a family, not an organisation. So a church will take organisational forms 
and those forms can have a legal status. So you may be interested to know that Chichester Baptist Church is a charitable incorporated organisation. You may not be interested, but it is. We have trustees, we have a constitution, and these things are necessary and important. But they aren't the church. The church is the people, the people who are related to each other as brothers and sisters because they are in relationship with God, the Father, through his Son, Jesus Christ. And this metaphor, or a metaphor that is used more often in the New Testament than any to express that relationship between believers is that of the body. And Cindy read to us from 1 Corinthians 12, with Christ as its head and its followers as the interconnected parts, together forming one body. And that leads us to the second aspect of family together, which is diversity and unity. One of the verses Cindy read from verse 12, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. We are, all, we are one family, but we are all different. So we have the jokers, we have the fun lovers, we have the sensible, and we have the grumpy. And apologies for the image quality, but I was just willing to compromise on this occasion. I absolutely love this photo. The guy on the right, he's just not enjoying it, is he, really? He's not having a very happy family day out. Um, but that's often the reality of family, isn't it? You know, we are family together, but we're all different. There's unity, but there's also diversity. One person described her family diversity after a meal out. So her mother and her aunt had had a huge argument about the aunt's spending habits. Now, the mother was prone to dramatic displays, and she left the restaurant and lay down in the road. This is the daughter continuing the story. Everyone rushed outside. My dad was, convinced, was, was convincing her to get off the road. I was redirecting cars. My two uncles were trying to calm down the gathering crowd. After my aunt apologised and my mother agreed to get up, we suddenly realised that my young brother was missing. Fifteen minutes later, we found him crouching behind a large rubbish bin. When asked why he was hiding, he said, I don't want to end up on YouTube. So we're all different. We all respond differently to situations. And in this room, there is a huge diversity of backgrounds, of personalities, of education, of gifts, of upbringing, and more and more and more. We're diverse, but we're also one family. And that diversity, if we can just focus on that for a moment, um, leads us to draw some conclusions. And Paul draws these from his passage in 1 Corinthians. Firstly, that no one should feel inferior. So the ear shouldn't say, I'm not an eye. I can't read a book. I can't see that smiling face. Therefore, I'm not important. No, not at all. The ear can't hear the bird singing. They're both important, one as important as the other. Secondly, no one should feel superior. So the eye shouldn't say to the hand, well, you're just a hand. You're just a hand. You can't see that phone that you're holding. The hand depends on the eye, but nothing's going to happen unless the hand acts on what the eye sees. They're interdependent. The eye needs the hand. And then the whole body matters, not just the individual body parts. You know this, if someone steps on your toe, 
you hurt, you feel it as a, as a whole person, you are hurting. If someone compliments you on your decorating skills, they're complimenting you as a person, not just your dexterity with a brush. Again, our passage in 1 Corinthians, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. But if one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. And that leads me to the third aspect of family. Paul writes to the Thessalonians, you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other, and in fact you do love all of God's family throughout Macedonia, yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do so more and more. And it's this idea that we are part of an extended family. So the family um, of believers is not just that close circle of friends that we know, that we probably sit next to on a Sunday. Uh, It includes those who you might be sitting next to or close to that you haven't met yet. One of the phrases we sometimes use in this church is his welcome, his service, his prayer and his care. And when we're using that phrase, we're encouraging you and ourselves to think about others in the church and to ask, how would Jesus welcome that person sitting near you, sitting next to you? How would Jesus serve that person sitting around you, sitting close to you? How would he pray for them? How would he care for them? That's the question we should be asking ourselves not just in a context like this, but on a Sunday morning, a Sunday evening, how would Jesus welcome someone, a stranger in our midst, in our midst, so to speak? The family of believers isn't just a local affair. It's spread out over a wide geography here. We have reference to Macedonia. The family of believers is worldwide. Actually, as Chichester Baptist Church, we're part of two large families, So the first is the Baptist family, Baptist Together. It's a Christian denomination in England and Wales. If you're here, it's General Secretary Lynn Green commissioned Ellen into her role as team leader for this church. We share certain beliefs with other Baptist churches, including full immersion for those who believe and congregational government, by which we mean that every church member has a say in the direction of the church. That's not to say we're better than other denominations, just that we have a special relationship with other churches in the Baptist family. And then we're part of the worldwide church made up of believers from every tribe and nation, from every denomination. And that includes brothers and sisters in places like Argentina, maybe, where they are rejoicing because of a powerful move of God. And where that's happening, we should rejoice with them. And when our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan are hurting because they're being persecuted, we should hurt with them. When our brothers and sisters in the Ukraine are hurting because of Russian military aggression, we should hurt. That's why we give to causes like tear funds. Sorry we couldn't show you that video. We'll try and show that another Sunday morning. But that's why we give to organisations like that because we need to care beyond the walls of this church into our locality and into the wider world. We are part of a worldwide church. And then fourthly, we have a duty of love. So notice how Peter spells out what is everyone's due 
in this verse. So everyone is due respect, show proper respect to everyone, love the family of believers, fear God, honour the emperor. So this is not about feeling, is it? This is, this, is, this is love in action. You can't always feel love towards someone. It's about doing, it's about putting someone else first. And it says here that we have a special duty of love towards other believers. Paul says this elsewhere uh, in Galatians 6, verse 10. As we have opportunity, let's do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. And you might be thinking, well, you know, haven't we got a duty to, to love everyone, even our enemies? And you'd be absolutely right, we have. But according to Jesus, according to this teaching, we should be especially loving towards our brothers and sisters in Christ. I know these words are familiar, but I just thought it was too good an opportunity to miss this morning. So I want to read from the message translation these words from 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13 about love. Just let these words sink in again. I'm sure you've heard them many times, but just let them sink in again. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. It doesn't have a swelled head. It doesn't force itself on others. It isn't always me first. It doesn't fly off the handle. It doesn't keep score of the sins of others. It doesn't revel when others grovel takes pleasure in the flowering of truth, puts up with anything, trusts God always, always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going to the end. That's the duty of love that we have towards each other. Powerful words, aren't they? They never, they never grow stale. And I've been reflecting on love in a family context. I've been thinking about my own family, the things that I think we've got right, the things that we've got wrong. I've been thinking about other families that appear strong and what, what they've done. I've been reflecting on those families that don't appear to have been so strong. I'm just mulling on all of that. Um, and at the same time, in parallel, just doing a little bit of objective research so what, what does a healthy family look like? What are, the, what are the factors in a healthy family? And the summaries from two pieces of research into healthy families that kind of rang true with me and just dovetailed with my own reflections. I'm going to share some of the, the thoughts in a moment. Um, one of the overlapping themes was not surprisingly a spiritual orientation. Well, that's a kind of given in a church community, isn't it? But here are... Again, it's four. We're on fours today. Um, four indicators of a healthy family or four indicators that love is present. So the first is a commitment to the family. So in healthy families, individuals prioritise the family. So do good to all people, absolutely, but especially to those who belong to the family of believers. 
prioritizing the family, acting for the good of the family, particularly for the vulnerable, even if there's some personal inconvenience, even if you don't feel like it. And if you're the parent of a screaming toddler, or um, you're standing by a partner who's failed you, or you're looking after an aged parent with dementia, you know what commitment looks like. It's, it can be hard. It can be hard sometimes. But as someone has said, commitment is doing the thing you said you would do long after the mood you said it in has left you. That's commitment. That's one quality of a healthy family. Here's another one. It's pretty basic, but spending time together. So you can't pretend with family, can you? You can't pretend with family. They know you inside out. Did you know that you are the only annoying person that they are willing to spend time with consistently? <laughs> One of the human side effects of the pandemic is that some people have lost the appetite for meeting up. Now, technology has been a huge blessing to us over the last couple of years, but it can't replace proper interaction between people. Spending time together is important. Here's a third quality of a healthy family, an indicator that love is present, good communication. Books on healthy families include chapters on being open and honest, having difficult conversations, and doing it all with kindness. Love is patient, love is kind. So we have to ask ourselves if our words are patient and kind. Even when we have difficult things to say to each other, can we say those things kindly? Charles Mackesy will be known to some of us as the author of a wonderful book called The Boy, the Mole, the Fox and the Horse. And kindness is a theme that runs throughout this beautiful book, which is, behind, which is why, perhaps along with the drawings, many people are drawn to it. Here's just two quotes. Nothing beats kindness, said the horse. It sits quietly beyond all things. What do you want to be when you grow up? Asked the mole. Kind, said the boy. Kindness. You can't have too much kindness. And then the fourth quality of a healthy family is expressing appreciation. Family members in a healthy family learn to appreciate each other and say, thank you. And when we say thank you to each other, what we're saying is, I value who you are. I value what you've done. Thank you. Feeling gratitude and not expressing it is like wrapping a present and not giving it, someone has said. So let me just sum up what I've said so far. I know I've skimmed the surface, but four aspects of family that I believe are clear from the Bible. First of all, that we are in a relationship with each other because of Jesus Christ. Secondly, that God's intention for family is diversity and unity so that no one feels inferior or superior and such that we should think about the whole body, not just its individual constituent parts. Thirdly, that we are part of an extended worldwide family, including us at CBC, the, the Baptist family. 
And fourthly, that there is a duty of love laid upon us, which according to research and my own personal observations includes um, being exhibited through a commitment to the family, spending time together, good communication, expressing appreciation. So the big question is, I think, do we recognise these things here at CBC? If we say that family is a core value to us, is there evidence of that? Do we recognise it in others? Do we recognise it in ourselves? Am I grateful for the family in which God has placed me? Am I humbled by the grace shown to me that I should be part of this family? Do I have an overinflated sense of what I bring to this family? Or at the other end, do I shy away from involvement because I think I've little or nothing to offer in this family? Do I care about my family in other parts of the city, in other parts of the UK, in other parts of the world? Or am I insular and closed in my thinking? Do I have a sense of commitment to the family? Does the, the choice implied in that word trump the feeling that doesn't always go with it? Am I happy to spend time with others, not just the ones I like, but the, the annoying siblings. And am I one of those annoying siblings? Don't answer, please, at the moment. Is my communication characterised by openness and honesty and kindness? Do I speak with kindness? Have I wrapped up the present of gratitude but not given it? These are all Pretty basic things. I haven't said anything deep or profound this morning, have I? But they're all challenging, aren't they? At least I find so. I find them so. Are these things the heartbeat of our church life? Or would we be diagnosed with arrhythmia, an abnormality in the heart's rhythm? Because hearts can beat irregularly, can't they? And that can be either a minor, a minor inconvenience, causing mild discomfort, or if not treated at worst, can be fatal. So these things that we've talked about over the last four weeks, our focus on the last, the lost and the least, being missionally shaped, investing in unity and partnership, being family together, these are not just nice-to-haves. They are key to a healthy family life in this church. So I'm going to leave you with a verse which um, I think helps us sum up the messages from the last four Sundays. I know it's a, a fantastic claim, but I'm going to invite you to, to think about it, take it away, pray about it, change things if you need to. And this is the verse that I'm going to close with. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Amen. Calvin.